You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Welcome to The Real Wealth Show. I'm Kathy Fetke coming to you live from the best ever conference in Salt Lake City. And I have almost lost my voice, but I am going to get through this podcast. I've got uh, Rich Fetke, my sweetheart and business partner here. Hello, Rich. Great to be here. It's snowing outside. It's a beautiful day. Yes. And uh, good thing I won't have to talk on the ski slopes or I won't be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no yelling. (laughs) No yelling needed. We'll just be doing the dance. So I got to speak three times. I was really honored to be on the stage three times. One for the opening economic panel. The next for what are the three key economic data points I'll be focusing on in 2023. And then the third was the opening keynote on the economic panel, but I kind of shifted it to something else because John Chang, who is the Senior Vice President, National Director of Research and Advisory Services at Marcus and Millichap, he was on first and he was going to get all, all the economic data. So I switched it to, how are you going to survive 2023, basically? Yeah, he's a smart dude. <laughs> wow, it's like, and talk about being in the know. He's so in the know as far as connecting and talking with brokers and agents all over the country on a consistent basis. I love that one when he said went that cocktail party, when he just talked about that he gets the, the feet on the streets, the boots on the ground input from these brokers and what's really happening, what's the truth in commercial real estate. I know. I asked him, I said, where do you get all this data? I mean, obviously you have a big data team. He goes, yeah, but I just call brokers. I just, and that's kind of what we do at Real Wealth. We just call our teams. What's going on in Tampa? What is really going on in Orlando? Because you can't really trust the news. And, and that's what John, he just calls the brokers around the country, gets data, compiles it, and um, shows at least what's really going on in commercial real estate sales at Marks and Millichap. Yeah. And it's wild, just the difference this year from last year. So one year ago, we were in Denver at the Best Ever Conference. And there was this whole, you know, everyone was killing it and crushing it in commercial real estate. And this year, there was a different vibe. I Talk about the uh, debate that you had last year and what the topic was. Yeah. So my opening keynote today, I put a picture of the debate that I did last year at the Best Ever Conference. And that was, of course, March of 2022. And uh, thankfully, my partner in that debate was John Chang. So I had some great data. Um, but I also knew what the Fed had stated. And the Fed stated they were going to raise rates seven times a year ago. They stated this in order to dramatically slow down the booming economy. Uh, so at the beginning of the debate last year, uh, it was basically, will there be more commercial real estate sales in 2022 than 2021? And 2021 was a record year of sales. I mean, it was booming. And the audience gets interviewed. Basically, they sur- get surveyed at the beginning of the debate, and then they get surveyed at the end of the debate to see if they were swayed. Yeah, they choose a side. They say, this is what I think is going to happen. And then they put that vote in ahead of time. And then after the debate, it's like, yeah, so what happens? Do they change their mindset? And they changed. It was the biggest change of mindset at the end of of the debate uh, of people agreeing with John and me that it was going to be less sales in 2022. Yeah. In the five-year history of the Best Ever Conference, it was the biggest changeover of mindset. Yeah. And this is the sixth year of the best ever. Yeah. So it was so interesting to be standing on that stage, looking at thousands of commercial real estate investors who were exuberant. They were in a euphoric state. They were making millions of dollars, collecting lots of doors, raising rents, seeing rents go up 20, 30% in some places and just feeling invincible. And to, to look at that audience and basically smash that bubble 
is what we did and, and explained why. It's like when the Federal Reserve, the agency that is, you know, basically in charge of the economy and where it's headed is telling you, we're going to create a recession, we're going to kill jobs. You got to listen. And, and they just didn't quite understand it till that moment. Yeah, they are manipulating the economy. Uh, they're, they're doing their best, you know, the best is they know how. Uh, it's debatable. <laughs> well, I mean, like trying to, you know, trying to make it happen. It's a, it's a big thing to, to take on. Yeah. Well, let, let's, be, let's be clear here. If I were to, if I were the gods of the sea and I created a tsunami and then worked really hard to clean it up, am I, you know... You're doing your best to clean it up. Okay. That's what I'm saying. They're doing their best to clean up. Oh, no doubt that they, uh, yeah, maybe didn't do their best and weren't weren't at their best with money printing and everything they did. But um, yeah, I think they're doing their best to try to clean it up. And they're like, oh crap, I think we've screwed up. I, I think it's pretty well uh, common information now that we saw. We were seeing rents go up twenty, thirty percent, and they were still stimulating the housing market, uh, keeping rates um, low and buying mortgage-backed securities and blah, blah, blah. They came to the table way too late to, to clean up. Yeah, so I thought it was fascinating. So the keynotes last year, the titles were more about how to make the most of this and what's next and all that. This year, some of the keynote titles were like John Chang's was interest rates, recession, and risk, and also resilience. How to adapt your commercial real estate investing strategies for 2023. There was another one. Another one was called Crisis Bootcamp. Save your bleeding property with best practices of cash calls, loan and equity injections, recapitalizations, and lender renegotiations. So it was a definitely a different vibe this year. Yeah, I was on that opening economic panel, and believe it or not, I was the most optimistic. I've often not been in the past. Um, I've been wary of things, but man, the guys on stage were like paranoid, and and I I I really believe that. The Fed is going to get what they want. They're they're going to slow things down. It's just a hangover. There's still so much money that they created that's still circulating, but it's fizzling. And we know that interest rates were so high last summer at nine percent. And by the time we get to this summer, we're going to be comparing year over year of nine percent increase last year versus last year they were comparing to like one percent inflation, two percent. So it makes it look like much more inflation, whereas I think this year it won't. And, and I think by summer, inflation is going to look a lot better. The Fed's going to back off. Mortgage rates are going to go down because they follow inflation. This is just my opinion. Don't, don't sue me for it. <laughs> you know, that's the way it goes. You got to put it out there. And I mean, most of your opinions are usually right. Thank you, baby. Oh, yes. That, that's good. Good, good man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was interesting just being in the hallways, walking around, networking with everyone. I can't, it's ama- amazing how many people came up to Kathy and they would just, they would look at you and just say, how did you know this? You know, you're a genius. <laughs> Some people actually said you're a genius for focusing on single family. So share more about that. Yeah, that was really cool. They, you know, like I said, my second talk was how to, li- you know, how to invest and in, what are the three things I'll be looking at. Um, yeah, how to invest in- carefully in the 2023 economy was your title. Yeah, yeah. So I'm paranoid. I absolutely, I have, I bear so much responsibility of people who listen to me and certainly people who invest with me. I've made mistakes in the past. I have been aggressive. I've been too optimistic. And when you've had failure, that's when you change and become more conservative, more pessimistic. Uh, So I'm so conservative. But there's one thing I understand, and it is the residential housing, single family. And over the past three years, when I watched my colleagues who just started real estate three years ago, and they were making millions, and I'm sitting on the sidelines going, I'm too scared to get into multifamily because these numbers don't make sense. 
And then I felt like an idiot to not be making those millions of dollars for myself and the investors that would come in with me. I started to doubt myself and that maybe single family wasn't as exciting or whatever. But um, now, you know, we're seeing, well, why don't you read some of the slides that Neil Bawa shared about what's going on with some of the people who bought multifamily, certainly last year. Yeah. And that was the overall vibe was that a lot of people are in trouble and they're going to be in trouble. They might not realize it yet, but the amount of people reaching out to their lenders in January, there was only one, he was talking to this one major lender, and there was only one that asked to renegotiate their terms and adjust their interest rate. And then in February, there was, I think it was 40. And then in uh, March, just, just this month alone, there was 15 people a day reaching out to renegotiate. So just crazy numbers. And one of the stats he shared was that over 30% of the properties purchased by syndicators that were using floating debt in the last three years are now bleeding cash. So he predicts that number is going to be over 40% by July. And I was lucky enough to sit with a mortgage broker, a commercial mortgage broker who has been doing most of these loans and was able to just look up any property and see what kind of trouble they were in. And uh, many of them had rate caps, which basically is, you know, you get a, a floating rate, which means adjustable, means it, it can change, right? Um, so if, if rates last year were 2% and they're 7% this year, and you had a floating rate, your costs just went up massively unless you bought a rate cap, which is an insurance policy. And that insurance policy says, you know what, it won't go higher than this amount. But those rate caps are coming due. And this lender said there were people who were paying, you know, a $10,000 a month insurance policy on those rate caps. And they're now, now that they've expired, their new caps are 100000 a month. So that's what they mean by bleeding. These properties are bleeding. There's not enough cash flow from the property just to pay for that insurance policy or the new rate. Yeah, it's incredible. I want you to explain that just a little bit more because you schooled me on it nicely uh, around because I was talking about, I was on AJ Osborne's podcast and AJ is a major developer for self-storage. Uh, he has self-storage units all over the country and he, he's an amazing, just very talented, skilled and very wise man. Just a cool dude overall. Cool dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's awesome. He's my brother from another mother. <laughs> but he, um, when he was interviewing me, he was talking about how he locked in his rates until 2029. And he did that a couple years ago. So when everyone was just going nuts and taking out all these loans and doing the variable financing and the floating financing, he locked it in. So you explained something to me about that. So he's safe until 2029. He can ride out this whole thing and his rates aren't going to all of a sudden shoot up. You explained to me about how his insurance agent or broker probably wasn't too happy about that now. So can you explain that more? Yeah, I mean, every time you hit the top of a market, there's euphoria. And with euphoria comes a little bit of insanity. And this optimistic feeling, like I said last year, you know, there were 2,000 investors looking at me that thought that 2022 was going to be a great year and, and didn't understand how the tides were, were turning and they were going to turn dramatically like a tsunami comes in fast, comes out fast. So basically, even insurance companies were being a little euphoric, giving AJ Osborne a if, if it was an insurance company or a, you know, or a lender, um, locking it in until 2029, if it's an insurance company, that means they're paying the difference. They're, they're taking that difference. If someone's paying 10,000 and now they're paying 100,000, the insurance company, there might be insurance companies that go down because right, yeah. they're the ones taking on that $100,000 new debt. Yeah, because big things are happening. So I know Neil Bauer was talking about Fitch ratings and they claim 
that over 23% of commercial mortgage-backed securities, that that debt is maturing by the year end this year, 2023. They say that it will not be refinanceable under any realistic scenario. So really trippy. And that is $6.2 billion of CMBS debt alone. So that doesn't even take into account the agency debt, other types of private commercial real estate debt, which could be a lot larger. But you're not really seeing cap rates go down and that's the confusion. So a lot of people were like, if there's all this distress in, in commercial real estate, why aren't we seeing you know, cap rates expanding? And, and basically that means that if, if you're at a four cap that goes to a five cap, the property goes down in value. And that's what people were expecting. And certainly they are. But there's still so much money on the sidelines. John Chang said on stage, he talks to these institutional investors who have to spend billions of dollars this year. And if they're seeing somebody in distress, they're just going to buy the note. So the banks aren't really at risk because there's so much institutional money ready to say, well, just take over that note. You know, so the investors lose their equity. But the, the property's not really even going to maybe ever go in the market. It's just some big institutional company is going to come in and buy the note. You know, I'd love to be that, that buyer, you know. But. Yeah, well, that was a common thing I was hearing, too, is that people are setting up what they call what vulture funds, right, to, yeah. to get these distressed assets because things are going to go south for a lot of people. And one of the things they don't want to do is give those properties back to the bank. And the banks don't want that either. It would just, it's going to affect values all the way across the board. So there are people now who are setting up funds that are actually going to come in and get these distressed assets at pennies on the dollar. So they're setting up for it. So it's just the way things are heading. It's not so much pennies on the dollar, but they're just taking over the note. Because if it was a, uh, if the bank note was at 80, you know, and and the property lost 20% of value, that 20% is the equity investor. That's the syndication just got wiped out. But the institutional is going to just come in and, and buy it for that, let's say it's a $100 million property. And the note was eighty million. The investors were the twenty million difference. They're gone, and uh, so not pennies on a dollar, but at substantial discount from what the property value actually is, though, right? Yeah, one. I'm just going to say it. Well, the lender kind of pulled up some different properties and saw one particular property that sold for seventy five million dollars this past year. The year before, it sold for like forty five, forty seven million. So in one year, that property went from forty seven to seventy five million. That's the kind of euphoria we were seeing in the market. Um, so it might just go back to that, what, it, what is intrinsically worth. Not, it, it, it was a bubble. That's all I could say. A commercial bubble was pretty massive. And a lot of people jumped into that bubble and a lot of people because of FOMO and seeing that happen, someone saying, wow, I, just in the last three years, I added 6,000 doors to my portfolio. And there's a lot of people like having envy and being like getting greedy and saying, I want the same thing. So they were not underwriting with the strict guidelines that they really should have been. So coming back to the single family conversation, because I was one of those people just kind of like almost not wanting to go on Facebook anymore because it seemed like all these new investors were getting all these doors and surpassing me when I've been doing this 20 years. And like, what, what don't I know? And why can't I do that? And, you know, we're, we're playing conservative. Are we too conservative? I would underwrite deals almost every day and it just nothing was penciling. So, you know, we stuck with what we know and we started our single family rental fund. Um, Why I feel confident in the single family rental fund and what I talked about on stage is we're raising the money, um, we're syndicating, and so we have cash. And then we're the only buyer at the table right now because it's so, was it 15 million people were priced out when interest rates went up, but they still want a home. Uh, So, 
they can't buy it. They, they want to rent it. And there's just, and institutional investors are kind of out of the single family market. Um, you've got the iBuyers who are out. So there's just us and we're getting phenomenal deals. There's a massive single family housing shortage and so much demand with the millennials being, um, you know, the largest group forming families right now. So I had so many people coming up saying, that makes so much sense. You're just buying in cash. Where's the risk there? You're getting 20, 30, 40% discounts on these homes. We're fixing them up. We're improving the value there. And they're cash flowing after, you know, if we decide to refi and, and we can, we're gonna, if we do, it'll be in a fixed rate, but we don't have to. We're not reliant on any loan. But if we did refi all those and do sort of a Burr method, it would be in a five, seven, or 10 year fixed rate. So we won't have to deal with all that commercial CMBS market that's going to be in distress. Yeah. And I was just talking to someone about that and saying, uh, our friend Devon, who Kennard, who had been on the Real Wealth Show before, talking about, he said something about it just, Burr doesn't work nowadays. It just doesn't work. He said, hey, fellow investors, are you finding the same thing that this Burr model just is not working? And there was a lot of people saying, oh yeah, I just went to short-term rental to get more cash flow. And I noticed there was such a focus on the right now, on the making cash right now this year. And my comment back to Devon was, I like to look at it over the long haul. What's this going to look like 10 years from now? So when you think about the fund, the single family fund, what are these homes going to do when the value of the whole portfolio over the next five years, instead of only looking at how much cash flow is it making in 2023? It's like, where's it going to be in five years? Where's it going to be in seven years? I think that's the, that long-term horizon on your thinking. And our investors in, in the fund understand that because it is very low cash flow the first year. Um, there's acquisition fees. There's you know, re- renovation fees. You're, just, you're not going to make the money the first year. It's, it's a long-term play, and that's, that's the play that we're in. And we keep telling people, the youngsters in the, in the room, 10 years will pass faster than you, than you realize. And that is when real wealth is built. It's over time. You know, it's, it's usually don't see real wealth that's going to last built very quickly. You know, and that's one thing we saw with multifamily investors is they were getting, making a lot of money really fast. And they're like, wow, this is it. I'm just, I'm going to cash out. And then all of a sudden this happens. So it's like, uh, man, I can't stress it enough. It's like, have a longer term vision and perspective on your investing. Absolutely. Now, for those of you who are syndicators and are listening to me going, oh crap, that's me. Uh, I don't know what to do. The expenses have gone up. I can't pay the, the new interest rate. I can't pay the rate cap. I don't know what to do. There's no way to save it. Neil Bawa said he did create the rescue fund and he was going to go in and he, he spoke with many, many, many syndicators to see if he could rescue it. And he couldn't. He's like, your investors have lost everything. Um, what I want to tell you if you are in that position is you could go to jail if you do not proceed carefully. I did a very interesting and sad interview with somebody who did go to jail because he didn't seek counsel. Um, he was kind of transferring money from different funds to try to save the funds, and that is not allowed. Um, it, it could have been allowed if he went to his investors and explained it, but he didn't. So you have to be transparent. This is a hard thing to do. Investors need to know what's going on in detail and don't cover anything up or the SEC is going to come in. Yeah, I think there's two key points right there. It's, and really listen to this, it's be transparent and communicate with your investors never too soon. Get very clear. We might need to do a capital call. 
Um, we might, it's like, he, that's what Neil was saying. He's like, just let them know, warm them up to the idea. Because most people, when you put a capital call out, will say no. But when you say, we might need to do this and here's why, and they see, well, if we do a capital call, it's worth it. Because if we don't, if I don't contribute, then the whole investment could be gone. But let me be really clear about that. On our Shasta Wine Village, there was a capital call and I, I refused to do it because that money was not going to come back. It would just be more loss. Oh, yeah. you, have to, you have to know that it could work out with a capital call. It's going to work. So there was two. There's one, communicate with your investors, be transparent. And number two is seek counsel. Have them talk to an attorney, especially who specializes in SEC law and communicate. This is what's going on. What do you advise? What should I do? Yeah, absolutely. Because you don't, <laughs> you can't control the market. You did your best, hopefully. And you know, not every investment works out. And at the end of the day, accredited investors should have understood as well you know, the risks at play. That should have been in the PPM and the operating agreement. And not everything goes as planned. Uh, but I, I can't stress that enough. And it was you that said that to me when I had deals start to go sideways. Just get legal counsel. Get somebody who's been here before. I, I've hired consultants. And I mean, we hired Charlie. He's a commercial real estate expert. Charlie, what do I do? How do I save this project? And you know, reach out, get help, talk to your investors. Maybe they know, maybe they've got suggestions. All right. Well, we've gone over time. Thank you all so much for joining us here on The Real Well Show. Thank you, Rich. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> it's snowing hard. We better get out there. Sounds good. Let's rip it up. Let's head up to Park City. Okay. <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone. Have a great day. If you want to find out more about our single family rental fund, just go to growdevelopments.com. That's growdevelopments.com. And if you happen to be in the Park City area this weekend, we are going to be at the Discovery Ridge Model Home throughout the weekend. You can come out, see our project here. We've got lots of opportunities with shared vacation rental homes. Rich and I are looking for partners in a home here. If you want a vacation home you use sometimes, or if you want to just put it on the short-term rental market but have partners on that, you can find out more about that by going to discoveryridgeparkcity.com. Crystal is the agent there and she can kind of walk you through it. All right. Thanks so much for joining me here on The Real Well Show. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.